Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning. I'm Karen. We are discussing um, kind of a specific topic today, but it can be generalized. Um, We're going to be talking about children who are struggling with that sort of in-between state where they are attempting to go to sleep, have a little bit of consciousness that they're still awake, but are kind of heading into the dream state. Mm, And that applies to, I was going to say, to to the other humans. humans. Yes, it does. But what we wanted to do for a specific reason is use children as our example today. uh, Because actually, most recently, we've had... um, some inquiries by parents who are wanting help because their children are distressed uh, mm-hmm. with a lot of their experiences. And, and the, fair enough, the parents don't know how to respond. And the biggest fear is that their kid is not normal or, or that the kid doesn't feel safe, right? Or And yeah, and they just don't know what to do. Exactly. And so uh, there was also someone who posted on Spotted in North Bay, which is a Facebook page. I think most cities have this now. Uh, where a parent posted the same thing, the same concern about her daughter. Uh, and obviously a lot of negative feedback, not a lot of negative comments were, were left there regarding mediums and, and intuitives that are, are able to help. Uh, and it just sort of made me think, you know what, this is free information. This is the podcast. This is why we made the podcast in the first place, was to help educate people. Mm-hmm. And so if we can talk directly to parents about children and adults can sort of take away their own parallels, then this can be a really great resource that you can hopefully share with uh, family or friends or people that you've heard are going through something like this. I've been bombarded lately with emails from people about the dream walking, um, nightmares, night terrors, and as you said, falling into levels of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And so, the visions that happen in that in yeah. that um, transition of yeah. the levels of consciousness. And all of the different senses. Yes. They get stimulated in that because some people see and don't hear anything. And some people hear and don't see or they're awakened with a voice that might not really be scary. But be- and I'll say because of Hollywood, we go into some fears. Mm-hmm. And so t- I think... Um, We're going to talk a little bit about our own experiences too. And Uh, I'll say not just because of Hollywood, but when a sense is um, bombarded mm -hmm. out of of context, right? Mm -hmm. It it is startling. And so we equate that with fear. So if you're falling asleep and the room's peaceful and maybe you have white noise going on and you hear a screaming noise, Mm -hmm. there's no visual aid to go with it for Mm -hmm. you to place if it makes sense or not, then we don't know what to do with our senses, Right. We don't know how to respond. We don't know how to live in that moment. Yeah. So, you okay if I start with a couple yeah. of things? Um, I'm going to start with some of the complaints. Okay. And, and, and by that term, I just simply mean when someone emails or calls and says, this is what they're experiencing, this is what my child is experiencing or what I've experienced. So, we'll go back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, scary faces, mm-hmm. um, and it can be beings from different dimensions. So UFOs, it can be, um, and I'm comfortable talking about that. I'm very t- comfortable talking about that some people see beings from other realities, mm-hmm. that they aren't all human-like or um, look human. Um, some people, like you said, hear it. Some people smell things or they get a feeling. So it's all in different senses. They might um, have a bombardment of all of them at the same time. Mm-hmm. 
They could see a world event. They could see a murder. Um, they could see wild animals. So it can also be animals, but in a sense where they feel that it's menacing or frightening. Mm-hmm. So if, if we go back to some of your stuff, Kelly, when you were a kid, you had the wolves. Yeah. So somebody might think wolves slash dogs, but dogs wouldn't scare me, but wolves would. I don't even think some people would really equate the two or put them side by yeah. side to evaluate Yes. What is potentially fearful? Yes. So somebody else could see a bear, um, and I did, and lions and cats, and uh, big cats, I don't mean house cats, and they put me into a fear at first until I understood they were my power animals. Mm -hmm. So unless you have an understanding of why you're seeing those animals and why they're coming at you, the first response could be a fear-based response Mm -hmm. instead of a what do you call it? Um, this is my spirit guide and I understand it. So I feel a little bit more calm or a little bit more in control. So uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I'm, what I just heard in that comment, you jumped to two very different conclusions. Yeah. One being fear as an, as an instinct response and the other being a complete understanding. And I don't think that's the two options that most people have. I think the and, and hopefully I'm, I'm wording this in a good way. The two options are the instinct of fear or curiosity. Yeah. Because we don't come to a place of understanding unless there is a wiggle room for curiosity. Beautiful. So if I, this is the tool I always go to. Um, and this is the thing I always suggest to parents is ask questions because your kid's response is going to be fear for sure. They're trying to make a reference for everything in life at this point. And if your go-to response is to deny their reality, because as parents, you want to keep them safe, right? That's what you had done to me. There's no wolf. Don't worry. Right. Um, There's a denial of what the kid is seeing, feeling, thinking, hearing, experiencing in some way, shape, or form. This creates more anxiety because how does a kid explain to you when they don't have a full vocabulary yet that, yes, this is happening, well, you're saying, no, it isn't. Then there's that there's a whole anxiety that they don't know what to believe or what to trust. And that spills over into life in general, not just that time that we're talking about where they're falling asleep. Well, and that's what one of the things when you said earlier about people on Facebook that say mediums and psychics can't help. Right. So it's like taking away any help, even from the adults now. So if we take away any help, it's like going to a hospital and it's not staffed. Well, I think we're experiencing that here in North Bay. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty close. Um, So questions. Questions are your biggest tool if you are the parent or the roommate um, or the partner to the person who is experiencing a a response of fear. Because if if your response to that individual is, and what is the wolf doing? Mm-hmm. or what is it that you feel or see or observe, then the child actually has to think through, or the individual actually mm-hmm. has to think through, okay, I see a wolf coming up my up the side of my house. Mm-hmm. It's going back to mine. But then what? Mm-hmm. Do I wake up and I stop the vision and it, it ends there and I don't ever get to see what the wolf's intention was? And if had a parent said to me, well, did you want him to lay at your feet? Would you feel safe if a wolf was protecting you tonight? Oh, Jesus, that could have opened up a ton of doors. Mm-hmm. I could have been excited to see a wolf come into my room and think, oh, there's my security guard. Mm-hmm. I can go to sleep now. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Like there's so many different options and how we can view the energies that come toward us. Well, you, the very f- first thing that you pointed out about curiosities is key. And the second thing you pointed out about good questions and, a, and intelligent questions to shift a perspective is also a huge key. Because as you said, I'm just reiterating all your points. You make the person feel that there is a space and a place to feel safe. Mm -hmm. To discuss your reality. Right. Because it is different from the person who's in front of you. Yes. And you need to know that that's okay. Yes. And then hopefully what we're also going to talk about is a vocabulary Mm -hmm. that we then need to build on an education and vocabulary to help people that are going through these things so that they actually get to say what this is. Mm -hmm. Because we know in communicating, if we don't have vocabulary, we can't connect with somebody. Mm -hmm. And what we're trying to do is create that connection. That's why people email us and book appointments and seek out or read a book. We want to find another person who can understand something we're going through. Mm -hmm. And as you said, as soon as you find that someone who can connect with you, then you feel safer again. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think, like, I, I'm going back to my security guard thing, which I'm thinking in retrospect was actually really brilliant. Because <laughs> so I'm just going to pat myself on the oh, back. Mine are the big cats. Okay. So I'm thinking, you know, if, if a kid is talking about an animal coming into their room or an entity coming into their room, mm-hmm. okay, because like you said, it's not always um, what we know in this human realm. Could one of your questions be, well, could you invite a spirit dog to come into the room could you invite a spirit cat to come into the room or do you love maybe your kid is obsessed with bears or dinosaurs or something that they feel a big connection to or are really curious about at that age if there was an invitation to the spirit of that animal to come into the room to protect then your child could feel safe mm-hmm. right if they really do feel threatened by an entity then they can ask for protection from one they feel comfortable being with mm-hmm. and I think this is really important because a lot a big portion of the reason that parents seek help for their children in this situation is that they're exhausted and tired of being called into the room in the middle of the night and asked to stay with them until the kid falls asleep so their own sleep is being interrupted and they, they want to break that pattern so that they can get a good night's sleep. Mm-hmm. So if you can offer different options for your kid to feel safe without you in the room, because let's face it, most of us want our parents. That's what that's what we equate protection with. Then you're kind of relieved of duty. Mm-hmm. I remember well, we've talked about this in other podcasts about how I grew up having nightmares every single night for just yeah. decades and uh, waking up screaming and sometimes two and three times a night and how my mom um, in her quest to have eight other kids stay sleeping (laughs) and uh, oh yeah I didn't think of it that way (laughs) oh yeah I mean there were at times there were 11 or 13 people sleeping in our house Mm -hmm. nine kids my mom dad my grandmother and another woman that my mom took care of so there were there were 13 people and you've got one child waking up every single night screaming. That's waking up 13 people. Mm-hmm. So my mom was trying very hard to give me tools without realizing what she was doing. Mm-hmm. So she would ask me things like, can't you roll over in your sleep and hit your head against the wall? Can't you kick the wall? 
to wake yourself up? Can you try to be aware in your dreams that you're dreaming? So she was teaching me dreams within dreams. She was teaching me levels of consciousness. Mm -hmm. I was like five. So somebody might hear that and think, well, you can't do that. That's, that's science and that's physics and that's levels of consciousness that only enlightened people can achieve. And it's like, yeah, hand that to a five-year-old. I, I'm listening to the irony <laughs> of that comment because it's like they want to disprove mediums and psychics, yeah. but they're saying, well, it's, it's physics and it's yes. quantum and it's... <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we want to be adults. Yes, you're right. It is. Let's manipulate it. Yeah, we want to take it into the realm of science and into the realm. It's got nothing to do with all of that. But it, but it can. It, yes. And and to just get hands on with it is what we're saying. Oh, yes, that's the difference. <laughs> and that, you know, I, I recently had a kid sit down in the treatment room with his mom and bless his parents' hearts. <laughs> they are working so hard and are so open to everything. Uh, one of the most frustrating things is that he's just at an age where he doesn't want to interact with the with the visions that he's having. Right. Um, and so they continue to be disturbing because he doesn't want to interject questions. He doesn't want to interject. Um, and like I said, interact. Mm-hmm. So that's that's something to keep in mind, I think, as parents, that you can continue to encourage it and ask questions that do encourage interaction, but you can't force it. Okay. Can I jump in with a couple of things? Yeah. I love your points um I had a little girl around four or five years old that was experiencing a lot of this and now we have a different ages and we can do different things at different ages and some things work no matter what your age but at her age she was seeing beings in the room all the time every single night and the parents had to fall or to lay down with her till she fell asleep yeah so what we did was we talked about together what her favorite colors were, what she liked. So it turned out she liked sparkles and she liked pink and she liked bunnies. So these were the things. combo. Yeah. So she came up with this, her own idea of the things she was comfortable with. So we made a deal and talked together, her mom and dad, her and I, that we were going to ask the spirit world to turn some of those things in her room at night into sparkles. Mm-hmm. And instead of scary faces, could they present themselves to her as pink bunnies? Hmm. So every night when she went to bed, this is how she would go to bed with her mom and dad going, okay, we're going to ask them to be pink sparkles and pink bunnies and things I like. And for her, the spirit world complied. Mm-hmm. She actually managed that. She actually was given the tool to say to them, you're going to be part of my life, but can we make it manageable within some things that I feel comfortable with? So can you, and I think in another podcast, Kelly, I talked about how when there were world events, there were so many beings in my room. If, if, if yeah, 5,000, yeah, putting a chair in the room and saying, you each have to sit in the chair. So there's organization. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I needed was organization. One of the things this little girl needed was to be able to see the spirit world without raising fear. So could she, could they manage to change into something that did not spark fear Mm -hmm. in her? And so they complied. That might work for somebody and it might not work for somebody else. Yeah. Okay. Um, One of the things that this little boy needed was distance. So oh, yeah. the the thing that was triggering the fear in him was not the image in this particular situation. It was the fact that they were 
millimeters away from his face. Oh, yes. And so claustrophobic, confusion, all kinds of feelings. And so one of the questions that was offered to him and his parents to kind of keep reminding him that he's allowed to demand was, can you go sit in the chair? Can you stand at the end of my bed? Can you pick a place in the room that he feels? Can you stand by the door? Yeah. Right? Doors yeah. often provide us with comfort because we feel like there's an exit yeah, um, or that we can push someone out of it. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that he was able to do or one of the tools was to ask for space or distance. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good because I didn't realize that's what I was doing too when I asked them to sit in the chair. I was thinking it was organization because there were too many. So if, there's t- if there are too many things that you're seeing or too many voices you're hearing, ask them to organize themselves in the spirit room so that you see them one at a time, one of the other thing, or hear them one at a time, or turn down the volume. I was just, okay, can I interject? Yes. So one of the things, uh-huh. when we talk about level of noise, is uh, like there often is screaming, right? And let's mm-hmm. face it, we're pretty thick as human beings. And so sometimes we need startle to grab our attention. Uh, and that often involves volume. And... I, one of the tools that I had offered the, this this family was asking the question to the beings, what do you want? Mm-hmm. But also recognizing that sometimes when things are really loud, you might have to scream it. Mm-hmm. And I vividly remember you screaming down the stairs, shut up. Oh, God, the man. I'm trying <laughs> to sleep. And that's okay. You can interact in a way where you tell them that this is a boundary and this is a demand that I'm making. So yeah. come back tomorrow at nine. Yeah. Whatever. Um, but I just, one of the tools was, what do you want? So yes. interacting enough to say, what's your intention? What is it? Th- what's, what is being asked of me? Mm-hmm. Right. And this was something that I think I shared when I was away at university and discovering the gifts was there was a man standing next to my bed or p- pardon me, sitting next to my bed with his face close to mine. And I said to him, what are you here for? And there was a feeling and an inner knowing of what he was there for. And I just said, I'm willing to offer you love. If that's not what you're here for, you need to leave. Mm-hmm. Setting boundaries. And I'm going to make the assumption that if I see your face again, you're here for love. Mm-hmm. You're going to sit quietly and patiently and I'll keep sending it to you, but this isn't going to be a bothered situation. These are boundaries and commanding your own energy and commanding your own space. And so many people think that if there are spirits in the spirit world that are negative or frightening or what we perceive to be frightening, that we have no level of control. Mm-hmm. So about seeing faces, because that's something I've done my entire life. That's an easy one for me was seeing faces and um, when my I would close my eyes. And they were, they were not nice-looking faces. They were horrible-looking. Bloody Jesus. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, that was I one know. of them, actually. But seeing distorted faces, scary ones, ones that looked human, ones that didn't. And I remembered thinking at one point, I don't want to do that. I don't want to see that. And so sometimes they would move away. They'd float away. Or as you said, they'd float too close. And I'd notice that my fear and my anxiety would escalate if they floated close. But then I remember thinking one time, just because you look scary doesn't mean you are. Yeah. Just because. So that's that's a TV thing. That's a movie thing for me. If, if I mean, really, think about it. If we, ha- if we go to a horror show or a movie at, at a cinema or at, rent a Netflix and it, it's a horror show, if they all looked soft and pretty or really nice, we wouldn't be as scared. 
No. They have to look scary. Or deranged. Or deranged yeah. or bloodied. Or they have to look certain ways to for our brain to be patterned to think, look bad, will do harm. <laughs> I, okay. I kinda wanna, Is that okay? Yeah. I'm going to put a pin in my own thought and come back to that when okay, you're done. Okay. So I, had, I decided to say to these images that didn't look good or kind, um, who are you? What do you want as you ask those questions, as you're bringing up those points? But also just to recognize within myself that I didn't have to get triggered by it anymore. I had to make that decision that that wasn't going to trigger me. Mm -hmm. So there's a difference there between saying you go change what you look like and me saying you don't have to change what you look like. You can stay scary looking, but I'm okay. I'm okay. Okay. And and Kelly, I want to say that in the sense that we can go out in public and see somebody who is scary looking because they might have a birthmark or a burn on their face or a deformity of a body. And a ch- and somebody might think that's scary looking, but that doesn't mean that they are. That's our perception. Mm-hmm. That They could look normal to their family. They can look normal to themselves, but it's our perception. Mm -hmm. So we are responsible to change our own perceptions and to help our children learn that. Mm -hmm. So if we're watching a scary show on TV, turn the volume down, turn it right off and say, do you notice that there's a difference? Can we talk about this scary show you're watching right now with no volume? Because, you know, when we go to the movies, what do they do? Jack up the volume. Yeah. Okay. And the bass. Yes, certain frequencies that are going to make our heart pound. Right? Mm-hmm. So be, okay. Go ahead to your pin and I'll stop. Well, I think some of the things that you're pointing out are great for adults. Yes, I said at the beginning we yeah. were going to go back and forth between children and adults. So I'm just breaking it down for the people who may have oh, felt lost. Right. Okay. Um, or for the, and I'll, I mean this with hopefully politeness, the adult who's not emotionally intelligent. E- I'm going to come back and talk about kids because if that is the level you're on and you have not developed a vocabulary for yourself that's where we begin okay I love what you just did because we're you wanted to talk about how we're helping children Mm -hmm. and you're pointing out that many adults are still emotionally intelligent at a child level yes and that's why at the beginning when you said children I wanted to throw adults in as well because there's no difference to me in how I'll have a client that's five years old, a client that's 14, and a client that's 52. And the 52-year-old might be saying the same things as the five-year-old. Yep. Yep. They're still asking the same questions about, well, what if it's a bad energy? And I, to my, my response to that is you're not asking the right questions. If that's your assumption mm-hmm. that it's a bad entity or that it's going to take over, then you, you're not asking enough questions. Mm-hmm. Um. I do want to go back to your example, and I know you've done this in another podcast, but I still think it's important when, like I said, bloody Jesus showed up and you said, Mm. go change, clean yourself up and come back when you, when you, when you are clean. Yes. And we can talk then take that fucking thorn thing off your head and put jeans and a white t-shirt on and we'll talk. Yes. So yes, it's important for us to change our perspective. Yes. It's important for us to ask better questions and shift the way that we see things. However... Initially, when you're developing the tools, you can still ask for your comfort level. Right. 
And that's what you start with when you're talking about children, like you said, sparkles, mm-hmm. pink, and bunnies, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to go back to uh, the little boy. Oh, can we skip to death? Yeah, sure. Because a lot of people see um, images of death during that kind of transition or during the dreams mm-hmm. uh, where they really don't understand what's going on and they're upset because death is upsetting, right? As, mm-hmm. as we understand it as humans, I should say. Well, in this, in certain cultures, absolutely. Right. And I mean, in, in any culture, death is loss. Yes. Right. That's a human experience. Well, pardon me, an earthly experience because um, animals lose each other too, where we feel sadness and grief because of a loss, an experience of loss. Mm-hmm. And when you are dreaming of death, and it's not actually someone who's dying. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this in many, many podcasts. It's a, it's an aspect of ourselves that is dying. Mm-hmm. It's an aspect of other people that are dying. It's it's part of us moving forward mm-hmm. um, and shedding, you know, shedding that chapter or the those experiences in our life. And that's something that you can explain age appropriately to children. Mm-hmm. Is well, you know, related to their friends and losing friends or outgrowing a friendship. Mm-hmm. Right. And that sometimes it doesn't have to be a sad thing. It can just be something where you decide I'm moving on and I'm moving forward. Mm-hmm. So you can put it in context for an age appropriate situation for them to understand moving forward or right. letting go. Yeah. But this is also where you as a parent, partner, individual need to be honest with that individual who's asking you for help. Because if you have an empathic child, which they all are, and they're picking up on other people's stuff, there's a good chance that they're picking up on your death or your pain or your Change. the things that you're going through. Yeah. So if if your kid's approaching you and saying, I dream that you died last night or I dream that you and dad died, mm-hmm. then you may need to say, well, you know what? Dad and I have been working through a couple different issues together and we've decided to whatever, however you want to, again, age appropriately explain the experience and and relate that to a letting go and a moving forward, there can be a different understanding and perspective of death mm-hmm. so that they don't see it and equate it with fear. Right. So it would not be uncommon for a child to dream one or both parents are dying or died if they're going through a divorce, a separation, yes. or if they're just changing, mm-hmm. if they're just going through a change, as you said, in the marriage, in the way that they function together, mm-hmm. there may have been an affair and they're working through getting through that together. Mm-hmm. They may have a change in careers where one of them has to do um, a move temporarily or something shifting. Oh, yeah. So big shifts can be represented in the dream world by death. And your kid does not have to be physically aware of what those changes are in order to dream about these things. That's right. So if you think, well, I never fight in front of my children. We always have our discussions when they go to bed. Your kid's still picking up on that energy. Mm -hmm. So that's where there still needs to be an honesty to say, honey, you were dreaming about my stuff. Mm-hmm. Where they can go, oh, okay. Because oftentimes we feel relief when we know it's not ours. Right. Right? We take things literally when we're when we're in our fear. So if we can place it elsewhere, the anxiety can subside. Good. I would like to throw out another tool for parents. Mm-hmm. Um, I always suggest 
um, that they learn and debrief every morning yes. when their children are going through this. And as you and you know, again, we can talk just about adults doing it too, but we're focusing here on kids. Um, I ask the parents to start debriefing mm -hmm. and to do it every single day without fail that you get up in the morning and part of the routine, if you're all in the kit in the bathroom together at some point, brushing teeth or whatever, you know, at the breakfast table, in the car, driving to school or whatever it is that you debrief. And that goes back to what you said earlier about asking questions. Mm -hmm. So debriefing can include things like, how did you sleep last night? Which just might get the answer, I slept through the night, or I woke up five times. It can be something like, um, I don't remember my dreams last night, or I did, and I dreamt this. So the debriefing is a series of questions that you ask your children so that they can understand that they get this vocabulary and they get this check-in. There's a safety feeling that when I'm going to bed at night, if this is going to be rough again, <laughs> then I know I get to share it tomorrow morning. Mm -hmm. So now there's a safety that in every morning, mom and dad or grandma or whoever's asking, roommate, whatever, at different ages, that you have this chance to debrief. So it puts you into a place when you're going to bed at night that I'm going to remember this in the morning, but you become a little bit more analytical about it. An observer. Yeah. Which, yeah. Is that oh, good? Yeah, I think I just okay. want to elaborate that as as kids, we see it and we think we're in it. Yes. And so there's, an, there's a feeling of impending doom. But with age and with emotional maturity, there's an understanding that you are outside of what you're witnessing, that you can be an observer and that it's not an immediate threat to you. And so the observation becomes the tool itself. Right. And like you said, so you can move into a place of being analytical about it. Yes. And children can still get those skills at different ages. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Uh, another, can I throw another one? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll go after you. Oh, no, go ahead, Kelly. I was going to talk about affirmations. Okay. Uh, just because they are something physical. Um, sorry, actually, I'd like to go back. And just what you were talking about in terms of debriefing is asking the question or the invitation, I should say, would you like to talk about your dreams? Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of parents go into control at this point because they realize how out of control they are mm -hmm. uh, in this aspect of parenting because it's just an experience that is beyond them. Uh, where if you give the invitation, the child has the the option, has the choice to discuss it or not. And so if they say, no, I'm good, thanks, then you can trust that they're okay. Mm. And if you're inviting them to say, would you like to talk about your dreams today? And they say, yeah, but I don't really remember it. I just feel off. And they're having a hard time articulating. They're still sharing what they can. And you can continue to ask good questions however that goes. Okay, and age appropriate, you could have different kinds of faces cut out in stickers and have if your child is really young mm -hmm. and isn't that verbal, that you could have them put faces on the fridge. So they could take the grumpy face and stick it on the fridge because they didn't have a good night. Or the really red face. Yeah, angry. or the scary face. So when you get up in the morning and you look and you see scary face, then you can see that your three-year-old has had a bad night. Mm -hmm. um, so you can do different things age appropriate. So again, they could have a journal. I'm thinking I might put those faces up on my fridge. <laughs> 
for the times I just don't want to talk in the morning. <laughs> okay. That's good too. So you can have a journal or just a book and color and pencils out so that in the morning, maybe one of the things your child gets to do, um, if you wake them up 10 minutes early or whatever, and we're going to talk about waking up in a minute too, um, they could get up and color, they could get up and draw the face or just take colors and scribble. Mm -hmm. Because the colors can represent maybe certain colors represent that they're happy and other colors represent that they're not yeah but don't tell them what the colors represent Let you have to ask you. yes they have you have to ask the questions and as as they age they might be able to now journal writing mm -hmm. they could even sometimes I remember waking up in the middle of the night and keeping a journal in my bed because there was so so much activity that I would just write down keywords yeah. And I didn't need to write down full sentences. I didn't, I could just write down one or two words, tornado, or I don't know, earthquake, mm -hmm. uh, whatever it was, Cincinnati, da, 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 da. So that if it's not, if you think I don't have enough time, then it can just be a word. Mm -hmm. Can I go back to affirmations? Yes. I know you said we're going to shift in a different direction. Um, one of the, the, I'll call it a human tool, I guess, is to provide your child with the right questions so that they can have affirmations that they tell themselves over and over again mm. as they're falling asleep. Mm -hmm. And this was something that was really important to me because the fear exists when we don't feel safe or loved. Mm -hmm. And, and I'll throw in believed there as well. And oh. that falls under safety technically. However, um, when we don't feel believed, the fear increases as well. So if you if if you can ask your child what or who makes them feel safe so if it is mom and dad or parents in general um or if it's their teddy bear or if it's uh, a dinosaur then you can ask them to create affirmations or you can help them create them themselves so that when they wake up from a bad dream or they kind of wake up from that in-between state they can tell themselves Mom's in the next room, I can wake her up if I need to. Dad's in the next room, I can wake him up if I need to. My bear's on the other end of my bed, I'm going to hold him and he'll keep me safe. There are things that we can tell ourselves that bring us back into, I'll say a different reality, uh, that can help us feel safe to then re-enter a dream state in a different state of mind. I don't know if I'm jumping the gun here. Okay. Can I say it? And then you can tell me if this has to be edited out. Sure. <laughs> I remember you and I saying we would meet each other in our dreams and practicing it. Yeah, I think that would be a different tool. It is a different tool, but it just reminded me of mm -hmm. creating a safe place in the dream world as well. Mm -hmm. So we worked on, and that again, you can maybe do with a child. Maybe they'll get it. Maybe they won't. I don't know. We're just throwing out different tools. Mm -hmm. So some kids might get that no problem and go, dad's my safe person. And then in the dream, find their dad. Yeah. And I, so, I sometimes suggest um, picking, I don't know how to say this properly, picking uh, an object that you wouldn't necessarily find in everyday reality. So for me, a palm tree is maybe a good example because nowhere in Northern Ontario are you going to find those. So if I need to feel safe in a dream, then I tell myself, Kate, I'm falling asleep. I'm going to go find mom next to the palm tree. And so 
if fear is happening around the dream and I need to figure out if I'm even dreaming or if I'm awake, right? Because that's oftentimes the anxiety. We think it's happening. Then when I see mom next to the palm tree, I can go, oh, okay, I'm in a dream. I'm safe. Okay. And I know this is jumping to a different yes. tool. So I do want to go back to the affirmations for a okay. moment. Okay. I, this, this little boy, he's so friggin' sweet and he, he's been through a lot of what I've been through as well. He just said he doesn't want to get up to get his parents in the middle of the night because he feels like the arms are going to come out from underneath the bed. And oh, I think lots of people yeah. have been through this. We want to jump off our bed so that none of the monsters can actually grab us. Um, so I can for sure empathize there. And he doesn't want to check under the bed when he wakes up from a nightmare. So I said, well, can you get into your routine when the lights are on before you go to bed to look in your closet and look under the bed? And one of the affirmations can be, I've looked in the closet. I've looked under the bed. My room is safe. Mm-hmm. Right. So as silly as they might sound as you're listening to the podcast, because it's broad daylight, no one's really scared in the daylight. When the lights go out, that's when the fear creeps in. Mm-hmm. So they are affirmations that the child can say over and over again to themselves. And it becomes a mantra. Mm-hmm. Right. We say it over and over again, which lulls us into a sleep. <laughs> I remember and I, I did this when I was a new parent to Parker he was in his crate and I thought I was going to let the little puppy die because I wasn't going to do a good enough job. And I just remember thinking, you are safe. You are loved. You are important. Kelly, I love that. And I said it over and over again until I fell asleep because I wanted him to feel calm. I wanted him to know that he was in a safe place. And that's the energy I chose to give my child. So instead, and this is going to the parents now for affirmations, if your fear is that your kid's going to wake up screaming again tonight. Can you send them a different energy? Can right. you provide your own affirmation so that energy can float across the house to you're safe, you're loved, and I'm here? I love this. And I love that you did this for Parker. I, um, I did this for you. Oh, thank you. So when you were born, um, I asked my mamere, my mom's mom. Elizabeth Marie Sabre mm-hmm. Faye, to be your person so that I could go to bed at night and not worry about SIDS, mm-hmm. sudden infant death syndrome. And I grow, grew up, most people are, that have listened to the shows know that I grew up in a funeral home, that mm-hmm. my parents owned one. So when you grow up in a funeral home, you see all the little baby caskets lined up beside all the, the adults' caskets, and you... You get to hear when your dad comes home um, for his lunch break and after work that a baby died. And I remember being a kid thinking, a baby died? Why would babies die? Mm-hmm. Aren't you supposed to grow old and die old? I didn't understand. Uh, it was beyond me as a little kid to understand that children could die or babies. So yeah, way later in life at 28 years old, I had you. And it makes no sense to in a in a in a brain to think that that fear of that little girl in me came back. What if it's mine? Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, I grew up in that. I saw that every day. I saw those parents grieving unbelievably, unbelievably. So I remember going to bed at night, putting you to bed. And at that time, the belief was, because I know that it shifts as we go through life, that you put a baby face down. 
you wrap them all up and they had to lay face down and their little heads to the side. So you, and the belief was so they wouldn't choke on their own spit or their own milk if they threw up or something. Mm -hmm. So, and I don't even know these days if it's different, but I remember going to bed and asking a person who had died, my grandmother, um, in the spirit world to watch over you. And I think lots of people can identify with that. So you've been talking about affirmations and then you got, you, I, I think I just took it into a totally different direction. Did you want to go 100%. back to your affirmations? I think there might have just been an expression of love there, which I appreciate. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I might. But that's, that's what I'm saying to parents is yeah. stop sending your own fear to them. Yes. And send them an affirmation that they are loved, loved. and that they are safe. Yes. So if we bring Karen's tangent back, <laughs> if I can do a good job here, Kelly. Um, my human fear projected on my infant baby mm-hmm. that she might die in the crib, but that was my fear. So to release me of my fear, I went to my maternal grandmother spirit to say, please, please love her and take care of her, whatever dimension she's going to be in. Which is a surrender. And that's where yeah. parents need to, their parents, partner, whoever, need to be able to surrender to that individual's experience. Mm-hmm. and just be a part of the process of developing tools with them. Good. And don't take the tools away from them. Well, and that's what people do when they say, I don't believe in that shit. Right. It's folk or fake. It's farce. It's they're stealing your money, whatever, all of these things uh, that they say um, that takes away the toolkit. Yeah. It, and creates more fear. Yes. And, and and it creates for them a power over, even if they don't know you. You know, I, reaching through an internet to say, I'll have power over your life. Mm-hmm. I remember vaguely now, this is this is bad. You equated something with um, if someone said, well, oh, so you had a client come in that said, you, well, you can't tell the future. No one knows what the future is. And you're like, well, that's nice. That's like saying to a surgeon, you can't do surgery because I don't know how to do surgery. That's what I said. And I, and I love that. And I, it, you can find humor in it, but you can also find extreme truth in there that it, it does happen. So if, if you have a child that's going through this or a partner or whoever, then step into the reality and, and figure out tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to, is it okay to go to a, to another thing? Sure. I just didn't want to interrupt you again. Cause I know I have tangents. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of children see people who have died. Yeah. Um, a lot of them see and are mediums themselves. And this isn't, you know, we term it as mediums because we're adults and we put a word to it. Well, a medium is simply a channel yep. of information. Yes. And we all channel. All, all people do to some degree right. something. Okay. So children are very, very aware of the spirit world. So if a child says, I see grandpa, and you say, no, you don't, again, you're not giving them the affirmation or the validation. Mm-hmm. And that then creates the fear. I, I see this, but my parents say that I don't. So something is wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Or something is wrong. Now I'm scared. They're saying it's not there. So when we don't validate or give that affirmation, including when they see family members or people who've crossed over, because some children don't see their own family members, they might see somebody else's. Mm -hmm. They might see a spirit that has been in the house that they've moved into. Which is a good reason to, to keep asking questions. What are you here for? What do you want? What can I do for you? 
Yes. Right? So if you are, if, if, the, if the spirit just said, oh, I used to live here and I kind of like hanging out here every once in a while, yeah. then the person, you know, the, the human can go, okay, could you just leave the cupboard doors closed? Yes. <laughs> right? Or could you, could you just be quiet? Yeah. This is about communication. Mm-hmm. It's about connectivity. Mm-hmm. That's what this is about. And so when we say it's not real or it's crap and all of these, it's fake, it's all of these different things, we take away communication. We take away affirmations and validation. And in the opposite, we create fear and anxiety. And, and withholding, right? right? We learn to not talk about the experience, which again, creates more fear. Well, and all of those things and the negative side are all forms of abusing a person. Mm-hmm. May I go to another sure. tool? And perhaps this will be the last one. Um, congratulating your kid for working hard at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was something, you know, I turned to this little boy's parents and said, you have the coolest kid. He was just, he was explaining all of the things mm-hmm. he sees and hears and feels. Mm-hmm. He, he feels sad. When, any, when anyone mm-hmm. is sad around him, which mm-hmm. we all do. We just don't mm-hmm. want to admit it. Right. Um, he sees death. He sees he's a medium. He's he's all kinds of open to his gifts. Mm-hmm. He's just needing that vocabulary. And I said, as parents, when he gets up and you choose to debrief with him in the morning, make sure in some form, metaphorically or literally, you're patting him on the back and saying, you worked hard last night, buddy. Good job. Mm-hmm. Because he's working hard for himself to figure it out. Mm-hmm. He's working hard for all of the other beings and humans mm-hmm. whose information he's picking up on. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. It's hard on the system. It's hard on our energy, everything. And napping. Let your kid nap for fuck's sakes. Mm-hmm. If they need to sleep in, if they need to go to bed early, if they fall asleep on the couch, if they're a teenager and they're needing more, like let them sleep because sleep is so interrupted with gifts mm-hmm. and with work that we need more of it. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, I've been telling you that mm-hmm. for like the last seven years mm-hmm. that um, in particular, when, when I first really started using these gifts again, about 10 years ago, um, I napped probably twice a day. And slept eight to 10 hours every single night. Mm -hmm. Um, It is exhausting. You brought up something too, Kelly, about feeling it all. The empathy that's involved with all of the gifts, including in the dreams, including that you can wake up in the morning and be exhausted. That you can have slept eight to 10 hours. And when you awake in the morning, you feel like you haven't been sleeping the whole night. Yeah, If you've ever taken a Benadryl, you know exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, any lots of different types of medication. When you sleep, but you wake up like you haven't slept at all. Mm-hmm. Because you're stressed. Mm-hmm. Because when you've had those dreams and there's fear in them, you're stressed and stress creates fatigue. When you talk about feeling everything, mm-hmm. don't rush this person through what they're feeling. If they may still be feeling that same face they put on the fridge at, at 7 in the morning at 3 p.m. Yeah. And if, you know, if you're noticing a mood and you're going, you know, are you okay? Like, what's going on? And they say, oh, I'm still feeling this way. You might ask the question, is this still from the dream or is this from something that happened in your day? And they might go, no, it's been a good day, but it's it's still my dream. I can't shake it. Don't force it. Don't brush it off. Don't say it was hours ago or that, it you know, that it was just a dream. There's, there has to be a processing of emotions 
And if their gifts are opening and they are feeling and seeing all of these things, like we said at the very beginning, it is a bombardment. Mm-hmm. Can I um, throw in a to- another tool? Mm-hmm. Um, I suggested to one family that they have a book that go back and forth between the home and the school um, with the child each day in the school bag. And so the parent would write in it and the teacher would read it each morning. There was an agreement. The teacher did do it. I don't know if every teacher will, but Mm -hmm. this teacher did so that the parent could say this child was up through the night, um, woke up this morning and here's the sticky, here's the the sad face. Here's the, um, she was up three times screaming. Um, and we were up half an hour each time trying to get her back to sleep. She's exhausted this morning and angry. Um, because the dream, uh, the dreams kept her up, but the, f- what was in the dream wasn't just sadness. It was anger. Mm-hmm. So she's not just fatigued this morning. She's angry. So that when she went to school, the teacher at 9am would, could recognize that maybe there's going to be a slow start to the day. Mm-hmm. So if the rest of the kids were going on a school trip, I might need to make arrangements that maybe she doesn't go if the night was that bad. Or maybe check in and say, can you make this school trip? Mm-hmm. Can you, do you need to sit at the back of the bus or at the front? Do you need quiet? Do you need a headset to have silence as the class is working on a project? Do you want to do your homework on your own by yourself and put a headset on for silence? So the teacher then was able to recognize behavior. Yeah, I think about... Amanda, who sits in a classroom, and I know it's it's not a traditional school, but she sits in a yoga room and asks every single one of her students at the beginning of class how they're feeling, mm-hmm. what's going on in your body today. Mm-hmm. And not one person says, excuse me, this is taking up five minutes of my hour-long yoga class. <laughs> every single one of them sits patiently while the other person says, my neck is sore, my hip is out, my foot is acting mm-hmm. up. And so the teacher gets an idea of where every student is at, whether there's five students or 30 students, Mm -hmm. and then she teaches accordingly. And Amanda checks in and adjusts for the person with the neck problem in that pose. I know that. This is where, and and I I hope people are mature enough to hear this. I'm not picking on all teachers. Right. There is laziness that's happening in the school system where... It's like, I'll, I'll get in, I'll do my, the bare minimum and get out. Mm-hmm. And I know teachers are exhausted and I know students are going through hell and that they're all, you know, they're either collaborating or they're not trying mm-hmm. to work together. But this is a tool for teachers mm-hmm. to check in with the students at the beginning of the day and say, okay, where's everyone at today? It might make the biggest difference for the rest of how the day goes for 100%. the teacher. <laughs> and it might mean that they actually understand how to, how to approach teaching that day. Yeah. Oh, I know. It's an amazing tool if it's used. And I've seen where some teachers absolutely use it. Mm-hmm. I've seen it where they use it for students that with hand uh, challenges, physical challenges, mental challenges, ADD, ADHD. I've seen it in all kinds of ways. I'm just saying that this too can be a tool for the child who's empathic, mm-hmm. for the child who is gifted in this way. We refer to some students as being gifted because they're, they just rock at math or they just rock at science or they rock at something where there's a certain gift that way. This is still gifted. Mm-hmm. I think about 7-Up. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Right? You play this in, well, hopefully you still play this. I had a shit ton of fun doing it. Yeah. I'm thinking about, for teachers, heads down and asking questions. Who here is feeling anxious today? And mm-hmm. the hands can go up where you don't necessarily have to see each other so you don't have to be afraid of answering. Mm-hmm. Who here tried to commit suicide last night? Mm-hmm. Who here, you know, is um, experiencing a divorce at home? Mm-hmm. Who here, and, and ask whatever questions you need to, to mm-hmm. kind of get a feel for where your students are at that morning, that mm-hmm. afternoon. Who needs humor today who, while who, we're teaching? Who needs a hug? Yeah. Who needs food? Yeah. And then heads up and carry on. Mm-hmm. So that the students know that they can answer safely, that there's someone who cares enough to ask the important questions, and provide learning accordingly. Mm-hmm. That's that's real support. Mm-hmm. That's not just shoving information down their throats and thinking it's your responsibility to to maintain all of it. And that can these the, that tool about the book going back and forth or the seven up can happen in a daycare. It can happen going to a friend's house. It can, can happen, happen in a boardroom. Oh, I love that. can happen at work. It can happen everywhere. And that's why when you said about children, and I said in adults too, that the, this could go back and forth so that our listeners who are adults and don't have children could still find value to this today. Mm-hmm. They may have experienced some of these things and didn't get it as a kid and have a grandchild or have a friend who's got kids and s- say it in a conversation to a friend. You might hear your friends complaining about them being up all night because of what their children are going through. And you're just the girlfriend or the guy friend that can say, have you tried this? <laughs> have you tried debriefing? Have you tried mm-hmm. uh, smiley faces on the fridge? Have you given them a safe place in the dream world to find you? Can you play games with your kids? There's a variety of tools. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that we have to shut them off if we're not the primary caregivers. Good. Yeah. Okay, tried to cover a whole bunch today. There's so much more, though, eh? Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, it's not a selling point, but that's why you have individual sessions. Right. Right, because some people will pick up on a couple of things here and go, I need a la- I need elaboration on this. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully you can draw all kinds of parallels from today. And if you do, if you want more for your own self, mm-hmm. uh, there are tons of resources out there, and we are two of them. Mm-hmm. That's good. I like that. Cool. Private se- I do find, Kelly, that the private sessions allow the support group, whoever's bringing them in, um, to tape record it as well, to mm-hmm. voice record it, so that whatever tools are being given and what the child is saying can be listened to. And this, this was really good. I think I said this in another podcast where a mom and a stepdad came in with a child, got all the tools and recorded it so that she could give it to her ex-husband and his current wife. Mm-hmm. So that all four parents and siblings in both homes were all on the same page for this child. So there wasn't a difference between the two homes. And these two parents, biological parents, four parents, agreed. They loved it that the child was coming to see me to get these tools and to to go through this and open up their gifts. Mm -hmm. To get that support and then that the four of them and each of the two homes could create the same consistencies that's awesome yeah and the same book that's where the book came from it went back and forth from house to house it went back and forth. isn't that fun yeah. it went back and forth in the school bag or the night bag from house to house and to the teacher so that the teacher then became part of that group between two homes we're talking about as i said to you earlier 
It's communication and connectivity. Mm-hmm. Which creates love and safety. Love it. Okay, that was wrapped up in a pretty little bow. I, uh, good. Thank you. Yeah, that was, a, that was a good start to the day. Um, Thank you to all of you for listening, because if you have stayed this long, it means that you're either seeking tools for your own self, mm-hmm. or you've identified someone in your own life that you love enough to be a part of this journey. Uh, and I think that's huge. So pat on the back to all of you. Uh, and uh, we hope that you join us next week for our next show. If you have questions or comments about today, uh, you can submit them to info at bysarlo.com, and we hope you have a wonderful weekend.